0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Answers for Life with Pastor Shelley, where we take life's difficult questions and give meaningful answers using the Word of God. I'm your host, Noah Wagner. We're here once again in the studio to answer an incredible question on uh, on children and and when are children ready for the gospel?
1: Noah, it's good to be back here with you, and we're going to tackle an important question Mm -hmm. today, and we have with us... Jenna Singletary, our brand new children's minister at the church. That's right. And when we hired her, she shared her testimony with me and with the committee. And I just cringed when I heard her testimony in a good way, I guess in a good way. It, it, when she shared how she came to Christ, I said to myself, every pastor of every church needs to hear this testimony. Mm-hmm. As we think about children's evangelism and the importance of making sure that we give children the opportunity to come to Christ.
0: That's right. So we like to have guests on this podcast. You guys know all, knew, know that already. And today we've got a special one here with us. Jenna, why don't you go ahead and start. Give us a little taste of what that testimony was and, and uh, your upbringing and coming to know Christ.
2: Yeah. So um, I grew up in this area. I grew up um, with Christian parents, a Christian family not necessarily saved but they you know they had me in church they were in church um they were representing that kind of lifestyle i guess um i went to a church down the road i was always in church every sunday every wednesday i started hearing the gospel probably before i could even you know talk so i was always exposed to it um in sunday school um, we, we didn't have children's church at my church. So I was in the sermons every Sunday, listening to my pastor share the gospel. Um, and I knew it and I took it in and I had absorbed it and I had believed it. You know, I believed everything that I knew from the Bible and that people were telling me, I believe that God created the earth and God created me and he created me with a purpose. Um, I believe that God sent his son, Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I, I understood that. Because of my sin, there was like a, a debt that I owed. I I needed to do something to, you know, repay for my sin. Um, and I understood that God sent Jesus to pay that debt for me so that I didn't have to. Um, I believe that he died on the cross, rose in three days. You know, I, I heard everything and I accepted it. I took it right then and there. Um, I wasn't really a questioning child. I just believed it. But I didn't understand how to go past that into responding to the gospel. Um, I didn't. I didn't know that because I wanted to respond to it and I wanted to, you know, take that gift for myself. I didn't understand that I could just tell somebody that I wanted to do that. I thought somebody had to ask, and it just seemed like in church in Sunday school, um, people would present the gospel to us as children. And then they would just stop there and they wouldn't ask us if we wanted to respond or tell us how we could respond. They didn't make it seem like it was something I could actually have yet. It, to me, it seemed like it was something that I had to wait for. Um, and so that's what I did. I just waited.
1: Wow. So, so you wanted the gospel, you wanted to respond to the gospel. And even though, your Sunday school teacher and the pastor was preaching the gospel. The gospel was preached there. There was never an invitation. Jenna, do you want to ask Jesus to come into your life and be saved? Nobody one on one gave you an opportunity to receive christ right Noah at that point, <laughs> just i'm cringing here mm-hmm. wondering how how we've missed the miss the plan, miss the ball, swing and miss. Yeah, How many kids are sitting out there in our pews every Sunday? They're hearing the gospel, but yet no one has personally asked them to respond to the gospel.
0: That's right. And Jimmy Scroggins is a pastor in South Florida. He came up with the Three Circles material, which is evangelism material. He says that the gospel is not, Finish. you've not completely shared the gospel until you've also invited them to respond to the gospel. That's right. And so while the part about Jesus going and, and dying on the cross for us, the, paying that, that penalty, failing to invite them to respond to the gospel uh, is, is detrimental, right? That's right. Because we our, have to respond to it.
1: Our, we have a podcast mm. about a gospel conversation. That's right. And one of the points that makes a gospel conversation is give an opportunity to respond to the gospel.
0: Yeah. Every time the gospel is presented, you need to allow the person that you're sharing the gospel with the opportunity to to respond. You need to invite them to respond. And Jenna, that that was something that was missing um, for those first couple of years uh, in your testimony.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's um there's a lot of failures here uh, that we all need to you know not not judgmental looking at whoever yeah, was there we, at we time. can all
0: we can all suffer at this aspect of, but of what's going on
1: children's ministers need and youth ministers noah mm-hmm. need to constantly be giving opportunity for children and youth to respond to the gospel and adults i mean yep. and adults now we're not talking about pressuring them to respond to the gospel We're not using emotional tactics for them Mm -hmm. to respond to the gospel, but just simply laying the gospel out And here is how you respond to the gospel. Make sure they know what they need to do to respond to what God is doing in their heart. It's it's just real simple. So, Jenna, um, so a failure from the leadership of the church, failure in Sunday school, Sunday school teacher, She's in Sunday school every week, and you never you heard the gospel, but never had an opportunity to Mm respond. Failure from the pulpit.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Failure from the pulpit. God bless every pastor that's in that pulpit, and I have to remind myself to make it simple. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, This is what you need to do if you if God has spoken to your heart. To ask him to come into your heart and save you.
0: Yeah, and I feel like sometimes even failure from parents, because because a parent can lead their children to absolutely to accept the the Lord as well. Yeah, yes,
1: and in so many parents, it's just an assumption. Mm-hmm. We assume they know. We assume they're they're saved.
0: We assume it's
1: kind of happened,
0: or or we assume that it's somebody else's job mm-hmm. to do that. It's the minister's yeah. job. It's the pastor's job to do that.
1: And Jenny, comment on this. I think you said this uh, one time that you felt like the staff and all assumed that you weren't ready. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. As a child, I just and I went to a small church. There wasn't a lot of kids, so the you know there was a large gap between us as children and then you know the youth and the
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, young adults, and so I just felt like. Gospel presentations and like inviting people to respond was something that my church waited to like older kids, you know, like teenagers.
0: Yeah. Well, um, how, how old were you at the time? When
2: I was thinking all these thoughts in mm-hmm. my head, I was like six, six years old, mm-hmm. kindergarten age, kindergarten, first grade, um, and I don't think anyone looked at me as someone who was ready to make a decision. It was all very surface level stuff that we were getting in Sunday school. and I mean, I was out there for the sermons um and the invitation that um the pastor was giving. but it it always to me felt like it was targeted toward the grownups. The mm-hmm. grown-ups were the only people that were responding. The grown-ups were the only people that were going forward and and I was just the type of kid and the type of person that, if it's not some sort of personal invitation. I'm not going to think that I'm allowed to respond to it. Um, And so nobody ever, to me individually or to kids in general, to us as kids ever presented um, any type of invitation asking us to respond to it. And so I just assumed, you know, I loved everyone at my church. I just assumed that that was, they were doing that intentionally and that was how it was supposed to be. I was like, I must not be old enough because if I was old enough, somebody would be asking me.
0: Wow. It's like getting your driver's license. Yes. Right? Like we all want it. We all want it, but, but it's not till you're 16, right? Right. And, and so you were kind of waiting for, well, maybe when I get to a, a certain age, that'll be made available to me. I'll I'll unlock that ability to get saved or or whatever. And Uh, that's
1: kind of how this thing goes. Why don't you keep me here? Here's the second part of it. Mm -hmm. This is pretty amazing. Listen (laughs) to this.
2: So I have an older sister. She's three years older than me. So when I was six, she was nine. Um, And she went to a Christian summer camp every year. Um, So when she was nine or 10 years old, um, you know, at this time I'm having these thoughts. i I know what I believe. I know that I am supposed to respond. I just don't know how to. And I don't, I'm just waiting for someone to ask me. Um, So my sister goes to summer camp. She comes home and she tells us that she got saved. And she, you know, she told us what that meant, what she had done. Um, She asked Jesus into her heart. Her counselor helped her pray. And I'm just sitting there thinking that that's exactly what I want to do for the past, you know, like year. I've been thinking this is what I want to do. And somebody asked her at summer camp, and I know that when I'm nine, I also get to go to summer camp. And so I'm just going to, I guess that's the place where you get to ask Jesus into your heart. So I'm just going to wait until I can go to summer camp. And that's what I did. The first night um, of summer camp, the pastor was gave his sermon. I'm sitting there literally the whole time sitting there waiting for the end because I know he's going to ask me mm-hmm. if I want to be safe.
0: And you've been waiting for and three years. And I've been years. waiting for three, three years.
2: years. And so I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm like so ready for him to ask. He gives the invitation. He asks if anyone wants to respond. Um, I, I just felt like he was, you know, talking straight to me. And he was, he said, raise your hand if this is something that you want and your counselor will come grab you and you can talk to them about it. So my hand shot up. You know, my counselor took me outside. She didn't even have to share the gospel with me. I just said, this is what I know about the Bible. This is what I know about God. This is what I know Jesus has done for me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need him. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Um, The only thing I need you to do is help me pray because I was like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Wow. Three years, Noah. That's she crazy. sat around and waited three years for somebody to give her an invitation to accept the Lord. Mm-hmm. Jenna, that, I mean, every time I hear it, man, I just get kind of freaked out inside. <laughs> and then, then I then I want to know how many kids, mm-hmm. how many youth, how many kids, how many adults that we have out here that's assuming something or maybe we're assuming something Listen, forget about assumptions. We need to put the gospel out there right. and tell them very clearly what they need to do to respond to the gospel. And then let the Lord, mm-hmm. whoever the Lord's working on their heart, give them an opportunity to respond. Yeah. We're not going to force anybody. I bet that counselor think, that counselor sitting there going, man, boy, I hit the jackpot <laughs> right here now. <laughs> do you still remember that counselor? Do you have any idea who she was or anything?
2: I cannot remember. I can picture her face in my mind, but I cannot rem- remember her name. But I know exactly where I was sitting when I when I prayed. Um, we were outside of the auditorium, and I was sitting by a tree. Um, I've always wanted to go back. <laughs> go
1: what what camp was this?
2: Camp Victory in Sampson, Alabama.
1: Sampson, Alabama. Yeah. Wow. That, that's awesome. Hey, praise God that that camp pastor uh-huh. didn't say, well, we're kind of running late today, so let's don't, uh, we'll we'll get an, we'll do an invitation tomorrow or next day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Praise God for camp pastors that, that will give an invitation and ask kids whether they are ready to receive Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. So praise God she got to say, every time I hear this story, I uh, I'm hoping she's gonna get saved, and, and she's not gonna die in that three-year period. You know, it's kind of like watching a rerun of football game. Right. You're like, how did they win this? You uh-huh. know, you scared they're gonna lose. Man, every time I get kind of weird. Three years. Mm-hmm.
2: It scares me when I think about. Well, I mean, I don't have to be scared now because I know that I am saved. But just to think about if something would have happened to me in those three years. I would have gone to hell because i knew i understood it and i knew it um but i had not responded to it mm-hmm. and so for that reason i've always been passionate about children are ready for the gospel at a younger age than what we think they are what we give them credit for i know a lot of times maybe we we're hesitant to ask kids to respond because we don't want them to think we're forcing them into something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's like the power dynamic of I'm a grown up, they're a kid, they might just do what I'm telling them they need to do just because I'm a grown up. But if you do, if you give into that and you wait because you're trying to be safe, then you have kids like me who are sitting there hoping that you're going to invite them to respond. And you're not because you think it's what's best for them. Um, I think what's best for kids is for us to always be sharing the gospel with them and always be inviting them to respond. And I mean, using wisdom and discernment to know if they're actually ready and they actually understand. But, um, yeah, I mm-hmm. don't think we need to wait.
0: Yeah, No,
1: no, yeah. we don't need to wait. Now, listen to this. Heaven forbid, but if you'd have died in that three years, your parents, your pastor, and that church family—they would assume that you were saved, and they would have preached you into heaven mm-hmm. at that terrible, tragic funeral that you had been with God, mm-hmm. because they would have felt like you had that you were. Because, see, all this was going on in your little mind. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I was going to say. There's a big difference between. Our our head knowledge and our heart knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and we say um, we we've got a, a like a cliche phrase or whatever that sometimes the the gap between heaven and hell are twelve inches, right? right. The distance yeah. from your brain to your heart, um, and so you need to have that that time where you're responding to a, a personal relationship with Jesus, and it, it becomes more than just head knowledge, but it becomes your heart knowledge, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you're you're giving your heart to to Christ. And, um, and, and we can sometimes, and we'll talk in just a second. We've got some assumptions that, that, you know, we are assumed there and and we can sometimes get scared because we want to make sure that we're not being manipulative, manipulative. We want to make sure that we're doing it faithfully. And I think that comes with making sure that when you give an invitation, you give it very clear um, and you present it uh, very carefully, but you can still do it very clearly and very carefully um, and that will that will protect you from manipulation, but it'll also give children an opportunity mm-hmm. to respond.
1: And I am completely against some emotional getting yeah, kids absolutely. crying, mm-hmm. getting kids all crying, and getting them all mm-hmm. upset, and and trying to get them to see how many people, mm-hmm. how many kids we can get to respond and make a decision.
0: Right? Yeah, we want that is we not what, see, what we're talking about. Right? We want to see genuine, um, you know. We'll, heart change. We want to see genuine life change, Um, but that's never going to come if we don't give them an opportunity to respond.
1: Absolutely. Listen, all we do with an invitation and when we lay it out clearly, all we're doing is laying it out and then looking for where the Holy Spirit has been at work. We're not trying to make the Holy Spirit work to us. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's at work. Right. We, we preach the word, the word's not going to turn void. And when you put it out there clearly and precisely by f- by faith, the power of the Holy Spirit will will touch the hearts that need to respond. And it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. We don't have to manipulate. We don't have to get emotional. Right. And um, and hey, sometimes it is emotional when they respond, but that's their business. It's not us. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's pause because the story doesn't end there. Doesn't end there. It still got but. I think let's just pause and read some Scripture. Mm -hmm. Why don't you read some Scripture? The Scripture's clear about the importance of children here in the gospel.
0: Yeah, so in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, um, Jesus is, is with the disciples. He says, "'At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, "'Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?' "'And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, "'and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children,' you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea.
1: Amen. Man, children were important to Mm -hmm. Jesus. (laughs) Yep. And if children are important to Jesus, then children ought to be important to us. Right? They're not an afterthought on Sunday morning. Jesus was very clear the importance of children. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so now you're saved. I wiped the sweat off my brow. <laughs> you're saved. You're in the kingdom. I guess you leave camp and you come home. We'll mm-hmm. take it from there. Yeah.
2: So, well, I immediately getting home from camp. You know, I want to tell my family that I'm saved. And I just thought there was going to be this big emotional response. They were all going to be so proud of me, you know, hugging me, crying. And so, you know, I told them and they were just like, wow, that's cool. (laughs) And it just for me, you know, I was so excited about it. I knew how big of a deal it was. Mm -hmm. Like I was dead in my sin and now I'm alive in Christ. Like that's a huge deal for my family to not act like it was a big deal I was like, oh, you know, it, it put a little bit of doubt in my mind, not doubt that I was saved, but doubt that it was as important as what I thought it was. Mm. Um, And then I also knew that I was supposed to be baptized. I knew that, um, you know, that's something that Jesus expected of me was for me to share with other people, the decision that I had made and the change that had happened in my life through baptism. Um, But my mom I love my mom. I forgive her for this, but my mom wanted my brother and I to be baptized at the same time. So again, I had to wait to be baptized until my little brother got saved, which was a year or two, um, I think a year later. Um, So again, I waited on that. I mean, my salvation was not in question at that point, but still it was was just kind of reinforced to me throughout my entire life at this church that um, things that God was calling to calling me to things that God was calling me to and things that God expected of me were things that I had to wait until I was older Mm. to do
1: wow well uh, that is just um, and that I have seen that reinforcement in churches so Mm -hmm. um Salvation is unique and individual, and, and you know I've had family members baptized together and and sometimes it works out that way and and that's great um but man, it's so individual mm-hmm. two years is just too long mm-hmm. to wait uh Christ tells us to be baptized, delayed obedience is right disobedience. Mm-hmm. I went
0: to a conference recently and they talked about the importance of imitation, and one of the things that they talked about was when somebody gives their life to christ they've responded just like you did at that camp to strike while the iron's hot Mm -hmm. and so that that's follow-up but that's also in baptism and and going ahead and stepping forward in that that act of obedience right at the beginning because it reinforces again that that's expected by by Mm -hmm. jesus that when we give our life to him that that's something that we'll follow up with but like that's the next step in growth as well and so Mm -hmm you know, there can be an argument made that in that one to two years, you also had delayed growth because you were not in, in obedience as well. And yeah, um, so I mean, it's something that needs definitely to be prioritized.
2: You mentioned delayed in growth. I, I was definitely delayed in growth because, I mean, after I made the decision and given my life to Christ, um, nobody ever discipled me. You, mm. I mean, you know, if they were inviting me to respond, they definitely weren't weren't prioritizing discipling kids who had responded. Um, Nobody was telling me that because of the decision I had made, there were things in my life that I needed to change things that I needed to start doing, expecting me to grow in areas because again, I think they looked at me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a good kid. I behaved. I was friendly. People liked me. So I think to them, they didn't see that a change was necessary you know, Mm -hmm. in my life, but it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. You're still, you still don't measure up to the standard of Jesus Christ. And that is our goal on earth, you know, sanctification. We're trying to be more like Christ every single day. Nobody ever told me that as a kid, as a (laughs) nine-year-old, nobody was like, okay, you're supposed to look more like Jesus Christ every day. And here's how, um, and again, my personality type, if somebody doesn't, tell me specifically and explicitly that I need to do something, I'm not going to think that I can do it. Mm -hmm. So even though I hear around me and in church and I I see in the Bible um, things that God has commanded me to do, if nobody was telling that to me specifically, I didn't think it was for me.
1: Mm -hmm. But Noah, the rest of the story is she gets a little older and then you, you meet a youth minister. Mm-hmm. What was his name? We're gonna. I, what is his name?
2: Byron Faircloth.
1: Byron Faircloth. God bless Byron <laughs> Faircloth. tell, this is a good yeah. part of the story. I so. am
2: so thankful for my youth pastor, Byron. Um, he's a pastor at a church down the road now, um, because he he is he gets straight to it. And he's all business, you know, there was no, like you said, enticing people or sugarcoating. coating. Um, he knew what the Bible said. He knew what he was called to do and what he was called to share with us. And he was going to share it with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was going to call us out on stuff. And he was going to, you know, he was, he set me up for conviction, which nobody else had ever done. Um, and so, you know, he Listening to him and building a relationship with him, he really pushed me out of my comfort zone. He really challenged me. He was the first person to ever tell me um, that, you know, things in my life I was doing wrong, even though I was a good kid, there were things I was doing wrong and things that I needed to change. And he was the first person who ever discipled me. And he was the first person who ever looked at me, I felt, as someone who, was equal to Him on the same level as Him. You know, we were both Christians. We were both followers of Christ. We were both held to the same standards, the same things were expected of both of us. He was the first person that I felt. He looked at me as someone who I have the ability to grow my faith in Christ, um, have the ability to kind of take ownership of my faith. Like, it was mine. It was my responsibility, and it was on me if it didn't grow, because it's my choice.
1: Man, there you go, Noah. There's a standard. That's right. Mr. Youth Minister over there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hey, set me up for conviction. Mm -hmm. That's what I need to do every Sunday from the Mm -hmm. pulpit. I need (laughs) to set up the congregation for conviction.
2: Don't tell them I said that. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. That's, That's my goal. And it's exactly right. You said... Maybe you said it earlier this time, but you said nobody challenged me to Mm -hmm. do anything at my church. Everybody just assumed. And I think that's what's wrong with our church today, that we're not challenging our children, our youth, or our adults. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to start setting people up for conviction
0: oh. yeah the the two things that we need to make sure that we're passionate about and good at as a church is evangelism and discipleship mm-hmm. right. and And usually one or both of those things wanes, and we can always get better at at both of them as well. Right. And so we've been looking at at some things that we've been doing. we've talked about in the podcast about discipleship, but also evangelism
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: being um, just key tenets within our church and our varying ministries. Uh, you talked about youth ministry and uh even children's ministry talking with jenna stepping into this role is uh we want to make sure that we're discipling we want to make sure that we're giving opportunity for growth that we're we're allowing children and youth the opportunity to respond um that we're giving opportunity for children and youth to evangelize because they're just as capable to do that as well um and and making sure that that's something that our church is about is evangelism Inviting people to respond to the gospel and then discipling them after they do.
1: Yes, and so, you know, we we're going to fast forward. Now she is here, full time mm-hmm. staff, children's minister. Went through Baptist College of Florida, got her degree. Um, Brian Faircloth ought to be thanking God. I mean, I, you know, ministry is always hard. Mm-hmm. But then you have people in your life. I I I know that he looks and says, "Praise God, I did something right." <laughs> you know, everybody tells you you're doing something wrong, and he can look and say, "My goodness, look what's happened. Mm-hmm. I was faithful to preach the gospel and lead and disciple these young people to grow in the Lord, and now she's on staff here at First Baptist, and it's not surprising me. Surprising to me right now." That over the last two weeks, in children's church, an invitation has been given.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we have we baptized last week. Yesterday, my phone rings. I was in a meeting. My phone rings. Well, my son came home from children's church. There was an invitation given in Children's church, and he didn't respond. And he came home and told Mama, Mama, I should have responded to that invitation. Comes by my office yesterday. Mom, Dad, and son, and and um, we talked, and he accepted the Lord uh, at the feet of his mom and dad. That's right there. They led him to the Lord, and uh, we're we're looking to have him baptized real soon. The whole family's going to join the church. God's word never returns Mm -hmm. void. What verse do you have for us, Jenna?
2: Yeah. So in the next chapter, Matthew 19, um, you know, some Jesus is teaching and some people bring him some children. Um, So verse 13 and 14, it says, then children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, leave the children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these. Um, and that it's it's important to everyone. It's so important to me because I felt like I grew up in a church where the children were looked at as, I don't want to say lesser, but lesser. I felt like church and all the different parts of church was for grownups. And I was just kind of there hanging out mm-hmm. until I was a grownup. But the target audience for church and for the gospel is every single person mm-hmm. from the youngest to the very oldest. Um, there's no, you know, age group that is, it applies more to.
0: Yeah. that's It's right.
2: for every single person.
0: You know, it's crazy. So uh, I went to a conference not long ago um, at Nam and Shane Pruitt, who's the next gen guy of, over evangelism at Nam, did a survey. And the results of that survey were, that like 76, I think was the percentage, uh, percent of people get saved before the age of 18. Wow! And then yeah. they, they boosted that a little bit further and said 95% of people get saved before the age of 22. And so the, the work of children's ministry and student ministry um, is vital within the church. Uh, and, and that goes back to our question that, that we asked at the beginning, when are children ready for the gospel? And uh, I feel like we've answered that. But but last thoughts: When are children ready for the gospel?
1: When the Holy Spirit speaks through their heart. Mm-hmm. Period. And we do not know it without giving an invitation. We don't know when that is. Right. So we have to constantly be given the invitation, n- not manipulatively, right? But very carefully. So that when the Holy Spirit does speak to someone, they have an opportunity to mm-hmm. respond. What do you think, Jenna?
2: I mean, I agree. When when are children ready for the gospel? When are they ready to hear the gospel? As soon as they as soon as they are ready to hear things, words, <laughs> it should be the, it should be the first thing that a kid remembers hearing. You mm-hmm. know, they should just grow up having been told that. Um, and I don't think it's something you, we could somebody could argue that if you share the gospel with a kid too many times. It's just going to become something that they hear all the time. But when like pastor Shelley said, when the Holy spirit is working in their lives and it, and it, and he's, you know, at the door ready for them to, to let him in, it doesn't matter if they've heard the gospel a thousand times or twice, that time is going to be the time where it mm-hmm. clicks. Um, so we can't know when kids are ready to respond to the gospel, but kids are ready to hear the gospel all the
0: time. Yep, that's right. Absolutely.
1: Hey, the world starts very early on. them. Yes. And we need to start earlier.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. The the gospel needs to be a vital thing in everybody's life. Even after you get saved, you need mm-hmm. to be continually uh, responding to the gospel um, and, and hearing it over and over again, because that's, we need to be people that are about, the The gospel of Jesus, right? We only have anything because of Jesus, and and uh, children are always ready to hear the gospel. Uh, pastors need to hear that. Um, children's ministers need to hear that. Youth pastors need to hear that. Um, Sunday school teachers need to hear that. Parents need to hear that. That from from the, the youngest that a child is, they need to be hearing the gospel and giving the opportunity to respond. And and you don't have to be the head pastor or a camp pastor to to give an invitation. Uh, you can be sitting around the dinner table at home and, and give an invitation for your, for your kid to respond. Um, but but for pastors, youth pastors, children's pastors, um, everybody listening, we need to be tell, telling people about Jesus, telling kids about Jesus and giving opportunities to respond. And then when they do respond, making sure that we're discipling them so that they're growing um, in that faith. Um, well, thank you guys. Thank you, Jenna, for being with us today, um, for, for coming on this podcast, sharing your testimony. Um, I'm excited to, to get to work with you, and I'm excited for um, what God's going to use, uh, how God is going to use you in this church and in, in the ministries that, that you're involved in. Um, this is a little bit longer of a podcast, but that's okay. Um, we're, we're thankful for what we were able to talk about. Pastor Shelley. why don't you close us out in prayer?
1: Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for Jenna. We thank you for her salvation and her testimony that she shared with us today. Lord, I just pray that it will pierce pastors' hearts and leaders' hearts like it did mine. I just pray that all of us will just reevaluate what we're doing with the gospel. And, Lord, that we will have a reset in our own hearts and mind that every person needs to hear the gospel over and over. We need to constantly have gospel conversations with young and old, giving people opportunity to respond to the gospel. So, Lord, I thank you for her ministry here. I thank you for Noah, his ministry with the youth. And, God, I just pray that you will guide us and direct us in everything we do in jesus name amen amen Amen.
0: thank you for listening today if you haven't yet make sure you subscribe to our podcast Um, believe it or not the best way to share this podcast and get the word out is to leave a review so if you go to the podcasting um, app whatever you're listening on if you'll leave a review and and rate us that'll get the word out even more you can share this by um, telling other people about it and posting it on social media and all those things but Uh, Just remember, in all things, Jesus is the answer.